the Art of Leadership Network. God uses relationships from our past into the future to fulfill his calling both in our lives and in the lives of the people that we we relate to. Well, what is up, Ascent family? So unfair advantage. I'm here with B Andy Wood, and we are talking church planting. Honestly, Andy is one of the best people alive helping church planters. I am biased, and I get to be able to do this together, and we love church planting. My name is Mike Hickerson. I'm the lead pastor of Mission Church in Ventura. Andy is, what do you do? I can't even remember what you do right now, so help us. Yeah, I try to keep up with uh, two teenage boys and a nine-year-old girl. That's kind of the main thing I do right now. Yeah, I'm, I've got a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 15-year-old, all girls, so game on. Now, Andy leads Saddleback in, in Orange County and about 20,000 campuses around the world. So Andy's a, a phenomenal leader. Go ahead and tell about that journey a little bit. Yeah, so um, if you're just tuning in, Stacy and I, we moved to Southern California in summer of 2022 from the Bay Area, and we had planted a church there called Echo Church. We've been there for 14 years. It's been a fun journey. It's been uh, very overwhelming and really forced me to rely on God and the team around us. Uh, but we've seen God do some amazing things and seen a lot of breakthrough, but still have a lot of work ahead of us. Saddleback such an incredible church, incredible staff, one of the most loving groups of people I've ever been around. So we're super grateful. Um, and at the same time, we are at the edge of our human capacity, forced into dependence upon God and people. I love that. And so what the Edpanger Advantage is, is people that have been planting, love planters, want to resource planters as best as we possibly can, looking back, not because we're experts, but more we want to just be helpful to the next generation of planters coming behind us and behind them and behind them. But we just want to kind of pour out our cup of like, here's what we're learning. Here's what we've, what we've seen. Here's how we're helping planters now. So we've been thinking through the, the why you would plant, the where you'd plant. And so today we're going to talk about the who. And the who is a massive deal, not just about who you are as character, but who you are on your team with you. Yeah. So as we're thinking about the who, Andy, maybe give us a frame in your mind as like, how does a planter or someone who loves planters or someone who's an organizational uh, like leader of planters, how do they, how do we help each other think about who should be on the team? Cause we can't have a thousand staff as a church plant. That'd be great. Right. And we can't only have one staff. And if you're a one staff church planter, God, I just want to give you a hug. It's going to be okay. But like, how do we navigate who should be around us? How do we invite people in? What are we looking for characteristics? So just give us a frame for that. Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, like if you start from a biblical angle, you know, look at the way that God works. Whenever God does a what, he first finds a who. And almost all of the time in the Bible, that who puts together a team of people and they build something with empower, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So there, there's like very few lone rangers you're going to find in the Bible that aren't working. Even the Apostle Paul that we all you know look to, you see so many examples of all these names of people that he built the kingdom with. So it's a core conviction for me that like even when you look at the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God did things 
in community as a team. It's built into the character of God. It's built into scripture. God, even, you know, kind of, I, I say jokingly, like I'm forced into dependence upon other people, which is, you know, force is such a strong word because it's by design. God, God didn't make any one of us to have all the gifts that we need to fulfill the calling that he's placed on our lives. So it's something so spiritual. I think that's the kind of, you know, higher level theological side of it. On a practical side, there, there are different teams of people that we build when we're, we're building a church plant. And I think of that first team, you could call it team one, you could call it a staff team. Eventually it's kind of an executive team as the church gets bigger. That first team is the team that we build with. You know, we put together a launch team when we started Uh, That launch team eventually became the volunteer team of the church. But without that staff team, those first few people, it's really hard to gain the kind of traction that we we would want to gain. So that's, in my mind, kind of the frame. Yeah, so help me now. So if I'm thinking back to like planters that I know or that are in that process or even maybe listening and processing, like how am I supposed to plant? Should I plant? I don't know what network yet. I'm trying to figure out the where. And then, um, so if someone in a, that's a thinking they're supposed to plant and they're, and they're the right person and then they have the right place and right is mm-hmm. uh, in air quotes. Um, yeah. But there's no one around them or there's no other couples or there's no other individuals or there's no other staff. Like, how would you in, like, uh, encourage or what would you have them process if they're like, man, I don't know who yet. Like I don't have anyone from my past or I don't have anyone from a team or a current team. What, what would you tell them to do about like the who as they're starting this journey? Yeah. First, I think it's such a great question, Mike. And you, you and I have had conversations about this just as we've both had the opportunity to have lots of conversations with church planters. Like when you started, you had a few families that moved with you. Same, same for us. We had uh, three families that moved across the country, and then we had more people that would eventually move over a couple-year period of time. Uh, those relationships, when you look back, some of them for me were as early as high school. Some of them were college friends. Some of them were people we had worked in ministry with at different times. So all along the journey, one of the core convictions is, you know, God, God is not in the business of wasting relationships. So every person that God brings into my life or your life, I believe God brings there either to fulfill, to use me to fulfill the purpose and the call that he's placed in their life and to use them to, to fulfill the purpose and call he's placed on my life. It's, you know, it's really a both and. And so when I have that perspective, I'm more open in my relationships so a core conviction for me, even in the whole journey, was I always, I always want to make sure I'm good with the people I'm, I'm working with now and then afterwards. Like when, when we go different ways, I want to do everything I can to make sure everything's said. So there, you know, there have been all these relationships. I would say if a church planter is at a place where nobody wants to plant a church with them, that's a really good indicator. That's a, that's a mirror into our soul. And I would say it's probably a form of, of breaks to like say, okay, well, why is that? What is it? What is it? Is the vision not clear? Am I not wired? Maybe relationally, there's some deficits in how I've related to people over time that nobody, nobody wants to take this risk 
with me. I also would say if you're you're younger, sometimes your network is not as developed because you're in your early 20s. But to be intentional is you're in, is you're building out, you know, to build relationships in such a way that you're doing life and team with people and you're you're investing in people in such a way that as you go along, not all of those relationships will become people that would plant a church with you, but all of them might be people that at some point in the future you'd encourage in ministry. I've got some buddies. We just spent some time together in April. We were in high school together. We did small groups together in high school. They're now senior pastors. So God didn't call them to plant a church, but now we're still, we're still friends serving in the kingdom together alongside of each other. So I would just say, never try to try your very best as, as the scripture says to be at peace with all people. Don't burn bridges and then try to have an open mindset of like relation. God uses relationships from our past into the future to fulfill his calling, both in our lives and in the lives of the people that we, we relate to. That, that's so good. I would have challenge everyone to go back and listen to that again. <laughs> so, uh, because if no one's following you, you have to ask yourself why, and not everyone should follow you because it's not their calling. And I know that's something that we'll get into, but that at the very least, they should be for you and praying for you. So how do we kind of foster the kind of health below us as we're leading in our early years and around us, next to us relationally, that people are going to be for us as we get into our next uh, seasons of life? So, uh, And so I think... The tension that I've watched church planters and I live through and you've lived through is like my team one or my core team or my staff team. And then also tying with that, my like volunteer team, my launch team, my uh, scaffolding. I've heard so many different phrases. So, uh, and I think we're going to go back and forth as we're talking about some of the values that we have on that. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you add and who do you add? But I think it'd be helpful that me and you both think about like team as like our staff team, our core team and our launch team and scaffolding team. Like we're trying to figure out those, how we're talking about that. Cause those are different expectations that we have. So when you're thinking through the who that is planting and if you were going to walk through some like uh, values that you would have around like the who is around you, what would you want them to have? How would, who would you want them to be? Like some of the the stuff that you like, uh, planters should be on the lookout for when 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 we're, when we're looking for the who around us. Yeah, well, f- one of the things that we talked about on the front end, Mike, is we we were having a conversation about this. I think it's good to even just kind of preemptively say a lot of this stuff that we're going to roll through. Some of it is from experience for both of us, you know, having been in it for a, a little while now. Uh, but there's old, also old. we're not old old. No, but we're, we're kind of old. We're almost old. Yeah. It's all relative. Yeah. Um, but the a lot of it was influenced early on from different resources. You know, there's I think it'd be fun to like even for you to say, what are some of the books and resources that have influenced you that people will kind of hear as we go through some of yeah, these things? I think and we've talked about this and it was it was very similar for both of us, but like Lincioni's five distinctions of a team. Like if you're not sure how the who and the how, five dysfunctions of the team will help you out so much. Um, anything he writes, I'm biased towards. So the advantage, ideal team player, like looking for people that are humble, hungry, and smart, and like all the things yeah. that, that they're not that, like go find that. And then you've got your Enneagram. Some people are Enneagram snobs now, but like you've got 
you know, Myers-Briggs, thinking wavelengths. There's so many ways that you can like know who people are, but those are some of the frames that I'm, I would be walking into this with for sure. Yeah. Couple that have influenced me. One, one I know for sure it's influenced you, Mike, is the uh, level five leader concept from uh, good to great by Jim Collins. Yes, and absolutely. He, he's unpacked that in a lot of different environments. I just, I just think even th- their TED Talks on it or pieces that he's done, just this humble and you know passionate about the mission. Uh, the Two other great books. One is actually new. The first one that's been around for a while by Henry Cloud is a book called Integrity. And when you think integrity, you, you think honesty, but it's, it's actually a whole life. Like, is this person an integrated person? with the way that they relate, the way they live, what's behind the scenes and, you know, on a stage. So there, there's a lot of really helpful stuff in that book. Uh, one of the most important concepts is the wake, and we'll get into that. Um, another book uh, Claude wrote is a book called Trust that just came out this year. And I think it's going to be another staple for, for me and for our team. Um, but it's, it's around this idea of what makes a person trustworthy and it's the whole picture. You know, it's the, it's the gift mix, it's the character, it's the commitments. So that, that book also, you'll, you'll, you'll hear some of that. Um, and I'm sure there's a whole host of other things that have influenced. Yeah, I think uh, if the listeners have been tracking, like we, uh, Andy and I are massively passionate about this specific topic. I mean, we're passionate about all of church planting, but the who and how you lead a team and who's on the team is a big deal for us. And so uh, most of what is left for this conversation is going to be a big flyover. So we're feeling a lot of pressure because we can't say everything we'd want to say, but we're going to give big flyover conversations and in, in, in areas that we'd want to make sure that everyone gets as they're thinking about the who. And we could dive into those specifically at later episodes. Those may even be better later episodes. But So let's fly over, Andy. What would you look for? And, and yeah, the, the, well, each of these little signposts, I I wrote a good question to kind of wrestle through. But the first one is calling, and with calling, I'm I'm paying attention to what it is that God's doing in that person, like what it, what's God up to in this person's life, because you you alluded to this. Not not everybody from our past are we going to work with vocationally. Not everybody from our past are we even called to, you know, have a regular form of communication. And it gets hard, the longer you go, the harder it gets to keep up with everybody. But there are some people along the journey that God is going to call to do ministry with you for, for the long haul. And paying attention to, as you're, as you're in conversation, as you're talking to people, you know, asking the question, where, where is God at work in this person's life? Um, several of the team, the people that God would later call to do ministry with Stacy and I together are people that I would have a sense that God was calling them. And then while God was putting that sense inside of me, he was also putting it inside of them. There have been very few people that we, in fact, I can't think of anybody that that, you know, that mutual sense that the Holy Spirit is doing something here and you, he's doing, so. it's kind of like when, Jesus, um, when Jesus was in Mary's womb and John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's womb and you got together and the Holy Spirit was at work in both side, at both of them and something was leaping from jo- for joy inside. Uh, that, I'm, I'm paying attention to kind of that, like what's God up to here? 
And I think um, pay attention, like somebody else's calling in their life on your team is not your calling. Uh, so there are times like for us that people are like, I'd love to live in Ventura and be with you. I feel called to do that. I'm like, that's great that you do. I don't necessarily feel called that you're on our team. That's your calling that you got to navigate. If you want to move your life across the country and be here, that's great. We just don't have a staff position for you here. And so our, our, our joke is like lots of people would love to live where we live and have it funded. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're called to do it. And so that's for later. We can, we can talk about that all later. So, yeah, that's really good. I, I, I can think of examples of that as well, you know, and those are hard conversations to have, but you'd much rather have the conversation on the front end than get down the road and realize, Oh, this is, this is not the right situation to be. I never want somebody on staff that doesn't, I'm, I'm overstating it, but I don't want anyone on staff that doesn't feel like they're called. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't want to over spiritualize or over like, like emphasize calling, but calling is a big deal in, in my, in our worlds. So as a yeah. planter, man, don't, don't let people off the hook for the calling of their life. And the calling of their life may not be the calling of your life as a planter. Mm-hmm. And so help fulfill, help people feel their calling, not necessarily the calling to you. It's really good. I think we could spend a lot more time on this. Yeah, but let's keep, let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right, number two, we've got complimentary gifts. And the question that I, I want to propose here is, do they have gifts that will fill a gap on the team? And some of this is functional. Um, some of it is purely just in terms of like wiring. For example, um, I'm of the belief that every church planter would do so much better with somebody who's administratively oriented on the front end. Uh, You can scrape in a lot of ways to make that work. But if you have somebody that finds joy in that from the beginning and you don't like walk around with guilt around asking people to to do things administratively, uh, it's just not the best. If you're you're called to church plant as a leader, as as a, you know, evangelist, as a teacher, it's just not the best function of those gifts to be doing a bunch of administration. Now things, sometimes you got to do things outside of your gift mix, but you're, I'm looking for those complimentary gifts on the front end. Yeah, absolutely. I would even say like, what are you, what are you really good at? And if you don't, if you can't say it because you're too uh, humble or humble, false humility, or if you're too arrogant that you don't know, or you're too blind to see and to know where the holes on your team are, because you're not a whole church, you're not a whole person as a planter, you need uh, complimentary gifts. And part of our role as pastors is to fan in the flame and steward those gifts in the body. So you have to be able to see all those gifts uh, activated as valued. I don't know what you're doing. So I've, I've watched planters that are like, no, we got three great teachers. That's great. Who's going to lead worship and who's going to do kids and who's going to administrate? They're like, oh, mm-hmm. we don't know. We just have three great teachers. I'm like, well, you're probably missing like actually the practicality of what you're going to do with complimentary gifts. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I like how you said that too. Those are, those are actually three huge components. You've got spiritual, uh, you've got worship, you've got kids, you've got administration. Um, one other 
thing that I, I do believe makes a huge difference is if you can, if you can have one other person somewhere and they don't even have to be on staff, but if you can have at least one other person that has a strong spiritual gift of leadership, uh, you can, you can have a force multiplier with two leaders together. So for example, when we started from scratch, Felipe, who's now leading the church that we started, um, has a very strong spiritual gift of, of leadership and empower, develops people. So we were able to move so much faster in terms of building volunteer teams because he was able to put his hand to some things that I would have loved to be able to do and maybe even would have been wired to do, but we could do faster because those were within his gifts. I, uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I could not more agree uh, I'm a big believer in multiple voices as a planter. Like you're not the best leader. It's okay if you are the best leader, but don't be the only leader. Like how, how, are there, how are you raising up multiple leadership voices on your staff team and volunteer team, multiple worship leading voices, multiple teacher, like have, like it's not, you're not God's gift to the church planting game. Uh, you are a part of the body and the body needs a whole. So like it needs other people. So I like if you don't have another leader around you and you're a really strong leader, I would really challenge you to find another leader around you and and ask why are there, why aren't there other leaders around you that are following you? Yeah. And I think part of the challenge we both have seen this in our own journey and you've seen it in the journey of a lot of church planters. Church plants can tend to attract doers. So you, you know, people that like to to get stuff done, which is great. You, you need doers. A vision doesn't get accomplished without lots of doing. But if, you, if you're not careful on the front end, that can become a lid to what God does through you. That's, I mean, Mike, I think we probably would agree if we looked at church plants that really have experienced more rapid growth, like, and I'm talking maybe zero to 300 within the first couple of years, uh, almost all of those church churches would have a lot of the diversity of gifts that we're talking about here. I, a thousand percent, yes. I don't know one that doesn't. So a hundred percent, yep. So complementary gifts. And one of the things that we have talked about at Mission as a value for us or a question that we would ask or I would add into the complementary gifts is what can't a volunteer do for your church plant? So sometimes as staff, we think we are limiting like the body of people that God has called us to serve and where we are li- limiting factor versus like there may be a great teacher that attends your church and they can volunteer and teach. That's great. There, yeah. I'm sure there are great leaders that are going to attend you. So whatever it is that is in us that is thinking that there's what can't a volunteer do, whatever that qu- answer to that question is, is probably a limiting factor that we're putting on our ability to release complimentary gifts in the church that God's called us to lead. So good. This this is the kind of stuff that has the potential to literally save thousands of hours of and, of heartache and dollars. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yes. I agree. So yes. Uh, okay, the third one that we've got is the track record of faithfulness, and this is where Henry Cloud's wake concept comes in. Trailing behind a person is always a series of relationships and a series of um, projects that that person either did not or did get accomplished. So if you're making the language consistent, people and projects. And there are some people that 
they're really good, like at a party, life of the party, you know, everybody wants to be with them, but then they don't get a whole lot done. And then there are some people that get a whole lot done. And then there's like a trail of bodies that follow behind. And I'm looking for people that they build something that when they're out of it, it moves forward because they've developed people, you know, they've built up people. I'm, I'm looking for somebody that you can trust when you hand them something, they have a track record. So no matter how much a person says, I'm with you, I'm sold out to the vision, I want to make a difference with you, I believe in what God's called you to do. If I look at their history and those things are not true, uh, there's there's a yellow to red flag in there somewhere. One of the the best, a couple of things that really um, help me is asking several questions. One, um, who have they developed? So there's two questions here. And what have they built? Who have they developed? What have they built? Who are the people that would say, because Mike was in my life, I'm a better leader. Because Mike was in my life, I took these steps spiritually. I'm serving God. I'm making it's a, a short difference. list. It's a short list. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's a list of thousands of people, Mike. Um, and that that kind of that concept of even asking another like really significant question around what what have they built is some people it's very rare that people will their their timeline like let's say you know you're you, some you, we all know people that if you look at their resume a year and on a year and on a year and on a year and on and then they they come to you and they're like oh well I'm I'm going to stay with you until God calls me to you know I'm I could see myself doing this the rest of my life, and maybe they could see themselves doing it the rest of their life. But I've had it happen before, and this was part of my naivety earlier on, believing that that was true, and I, I'm sure intention was true, but character and what was on the inside proved otherwise. So the the best way to know. What is a person going to do in the future is to look at what they've done in the past. Now, we all know Jesus changes people, but that's discipleship. You know, that's transformation process. We're, we are talking right now about staffing. And the, you, you don't, you never hire somebody so that you can disciple them. You know, it's like, it, you, you, that's a good idea, Bell, by the way. That's a ding. Like, don't do that. And yeah, we are a ministry. We don't hire ministry. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's they will get discipled as they're as they're on staff. We want them to grow. You know, we want them to become. If that's not happening, that's a different conversation. But for the purpose of staff, we're looking for people who they can disciple with us. Yeah. So we're getting ready to move to the fourth. I'm just going to give. This is my current, and there's no one at my uh, the church that's on staff that is in this category. But I'm, as I'm looking at the landscape of staffing in church plants, I get annoyed. Uh, so I don't, maybe it's a holy discontent. I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm immature. I get annoyed at people on staff at church plants that wouldn't attend there uh, if they weren't getting paid. Like it drives me bananas. And so lead planters, please do not hire anybody that wouldn't attend your plant if, they were, if you weren't paying them. So anything yes. you say to that? Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, okay. I agree. And it's, it is surprising when you find, you know, staff members that don't, 
engage in the life of the church. It's just a major red flag, you know. It's so I'm I'm with you, especially yeah. when you start from scratch. I, I just don't even comprehend it. So, all yeah. right, we're fl- again we're flying over. So there's so much to talk about in these in the who category. But so let's go to the fourth the fourth kind of pillar. Yeah, the the fourth one is it just a big bucket of alignment, and I've got a number of things under here that I'll I'll hit on. Um, so I'll, three words: one, culture; two, philosophy of ministry; and three, vision. And the, the bottom line question that I'm trying to ask here is: Are they rowing? Are they going to row in the same direction? So one one question of track record is: Do they have the like? In essence, do they have the muscles to row? Um, but this question is really when, if they have the muscles to row, will they row in the same direction that you as a, as a church planter feel called to row? Uh, I, I'll share just kind of a list of some things that, you know, play into this. So I'm, I'm a big believer. Obviously, you know, I'm at Saddleback. I, I was heavily influenced by the purpose-driven model. I do believe, I still believe the crowd to core concept helping people live a life that lives out all five of the purposes. Uh, I still, I believed in that when I was a teenager, when I read Purpose Driven Church, I still believe in it at 42 years old. Same, and same, same, same. If, if somebody doesn't have that, they, we probably shouldn't. It's not that God didn't call them into ministry. It's not that God didn't call them to maybe even church planting. But if we're not in the same direction from a philosophy of ministry standpoint, huge. Um, culture, I'll just hit on these. I mean, again, all this stuff y- y- you can respond and I mean, we could probably spend gobs of time unpacking, but culture, like, yeah, the culture, it, you know, I think about some people are more serious all the time and, you know, they're just certain things like I'm a, I'm a goofball. You know, I, I like to have fun. I like to laugh. I, you know, on my connection card on Sunday, I wrote in the connection card here, Um, it's digital connection card, but I wrote, you know, please pray for my wife. She can't keep her hands off of me. You know, it was my name. And I, I was like, I'm, I'm laughing at thinking some staff member is going to get that. And, uh, but Saddleback is a place where that that's been historically the culture, not, not super formal. And there might be somebody that they're, they're more in, you know, formal. They're not, is they don't like to joke as much and that's Okay. But that this is probably not, and that's that was true in church planting as well. Culture uh, matters, and then vision, just the big picture of where we're going. Just don't want to have to give a ton of energy, especially when you're starting from scratch, to try to get somebody to row in the same direction. Absolutely, and Stacy's probably repented of trying to keep her hands off of you, so she's determined to not <laughs> yeah. do that. So I'm sure it's working out well for you. It's good, man. <laughs> Anything else you would add to the alignment? There's so much on that. Um, so I, I think part of what I would ask on, uh, if it was just me, sometimes we have staff that are joining us that what we're doing is scaled up. Like they've not led this many people, this many groups, this, ma- this much at this level. And sometimes what happens in a church plant is that it's scaled down. Meaning mm-hmm. like this is the smallest thing that they've led or this is the smallest amount of groups that they've led or smallest amount of kids that they've led. So, and understanding that as somebody is scaling up or, or scaling down, some of their competency changes. 
and to be just be aware of that. Like I've had friends of mine that have planted, they were like slam dunk planters, but I've never, it's been a while since they've been in a room full of 150 people teaching. And it's like, oh, well, that's a little different than having, you know, 1500 people in a room. So, and the, the competency needed in those rooms are different. And, and I, I know it's not just a teaching thing, but a leadership thing or a, 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 a attendance thing. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Oh, it totally does. That's, that's really, really good. That's brilliant. Because I, I, I can see both of those angles when you're starting from scratch. And I can see it after the church has grown. Yeah. Like I, I have examples in mind of people that, stepped in, you know, you're a decade in or whatever, they step in and they're stepping into a ministry role, but that ministry role is primarily running a system. And it's not that the people don't matter. And it's not that we don't want those people to have coffee and, you know, get connected. But the primary function of that role is to run a system so that hundreds of people can get connected, not two people. Well, in that instance, if if you spent your whole ministry career having coffee with people up until that point, you might feel like, oh, well, this is this is not a spiritual role. This role is not spiritual enough for me because I really want to spend my time doing this other thing. When in reality, it's 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 a function of the size of what's happening, and that's still happening in the organization or in the church, but it's happening in groups and it's happening you know, through, through volunteers. And so you're, you know, that person's a different, it, it, do, it doesn't necessarily have to be a different person. It just has to be somebody who has the flexibility to go yeah. and move between the two. Yeah. And I think Larry Osborne's sticky teams is pretty helpful in that category of like, how do you, maybe it's somebody that is like, we want to marry, we want to mentor married couples. That's great when you're a church plant and you have two but now if all of a sudden you have 20 married couples and they can't mentor them, are they, can that same person or team lead leaders that can mentor all those couples? Like I think thinking through the scale up and scale down has been helpful for me on alignment. Yeah. How would you, how would you um, think to test that on the front end? Yeah. Well, I'm going to, my bias, it's only bias. So it's my experience has been, Hire people that are, are comfortable with the scale high and they can live in the lower scale. Meaning like mm-hmm. our, our three couples were comfortable with hundreds and thousands of people that were at a church because we worked together in that kind of church. And they made the journey of calling and purpose and it was a room full of 150 and no one was mad about it. And so mm-hmm. they knew how to lead at the lower, uh, and I don't mean lower like skill level, I mean, lower in numbers level, and they weren't stressed to build it to a scale of a higher level is how I would frame it. Does that make sense? That's really good. Yeah, yeah. it's really okay. good. And as you're, as you're unpacking that, I think like the, sh- the downshift that you're talking about with those couples, it seems to me like a lot of that would be a function of character and humility. And then the ability to upshift would be a combo of, of mindset and skill. Yep. And like, how, how do I think like one side of it is I need to develop the skill. There's a, there's a giftedness part of it. Um, but if I'm, I have to shift my thinking to say, where, where can I spend an hour investing in something that moves, you know, thousands of hours forward. And that's just, a, it's a shift in the way that people think. 
So uh, I think the principle that I'm kind of extracting as you were talking is like, okay, downshift is a character humility component. Do they have that? Upshift would be like, can they can they shift their thing? That actually does very, um, I didn't even intend to do this, but it does flow into that last one. Go for it. Um, yeah, so the last one I wrote, and this was a value for us at Echo um, with leaders, but we called it tenacious teachability. And I've used that phrase a lot because it's a combo. Um, the first part of tenacious is like I this insatiable internal desire to grow and get better as a person, as a leader. And teachability is like the humility that's required, you know, whether it's cor- being corrected or somebody saying, hey, I see this in you that, you know, this is the good stuff I see in you, but here's the things I see that could get in the way. That desire to keep growing and becoming all that, you know, who God created you to be, that character trait you can see in people, you know? So like, are they reading books? Are they learning from mentors? Are they asking good questions like that? But if I'm, if I'm with somebody that they feel like, it seems like they think they've arrived, they, they know it all, they, they've got it all figured out, they always need to be the one talking, to me, that's a little bit of a, a flag. No, 100%. I, I, uh, I'm a little reticent to hire or promote experts, um, is how we say it here, because experts have a way that they want to do it, and the content is already done. Versus like, give me somebody that's hungry to do it and we can learn how to do it better. And, Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily want an expert. Like I don't need somebody that's written the book on groups for me personally, because I actually would like somebody who is going to meet with everyone and help people get connected. Not, not the theoretical, how they should get into a group or why they should get into a group, but can you help them get into a group is more important. So. Yeah, that's really good. And then the arc of like, as the, the, I I can't quite draw it, but it's the arc of when like you start an organization, everyone, let's assume everyone we're hiring is an A player. I hope that you're hiring A players. Most likely you're not hiring all A players, but we'll talk about that later. But as the organization grows in complexity, if your A player stays at the same skill and competency level as the organization goes in complexity, they're not an A player anymore. They move to right. a B player. And if it keeps growing in complexity, they've stayed the same skill set and the organization has moved higher than they are. And they may be a C player, but they haven't changed anything from day one. And then you have to realize, is am I on the hook for developing them or are they on the hook for developing them? That'd be a good question mm-hmm. for a, for a t- tenacious teachability. Uh, who's on the hook for developing who as an organization goes, grows in complexity? Yeah, that's a great, that's great. I mean, there is a, there is a part of setting the table, right? Culturally with expectation, like we grow, you know, like we get better, but then there's that internal drive that you, you can't give somebody, you know, that internal, you know, both I'm watching both my boys, 16 and 14 playing football. Um, They're both kind of learning that in how do I, like regulate or drive myself to get, they love the gym. They love, you know, so that internal drive of, I want to get better. Um, I think some of that you can set the table, but they, it, it has to come from them. Otherwise it feels like you're pushing so much. So there, there were people that 
didn't grow with the organization. Sometimes I think it is a genuine self-awareness issue. Like, oh, I don't, I'm already good at that. Or sometimes it's an insecurity like, oh, well, what does that mean if I'm not good at that? And then there are, there genuinely, I think are people that are best, their best fit in the kingdom might be a certain size church or a certain scope role. And people don't always agree with your assessment as a leader of that part of them, which is maybe a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but yes. no, that's, that's, good. that's, I mean, there's so many, you know, angles to kind of look at that one part of it. All right, Andy, we've flown across and um, there's way more to talk about. But if you were, if you just had, if you had a church planner in front of you with a cup of coffee and you were having breakfast or just a cup of coffee with them and they were asking you like, I don't know what to do with the who in my world. Like what a couple encouragements would you give them or maybe one encouragement? Like if they were literally sitting across from you and you didn't, they didn't know what to do, what would you tell them? I would, I mean, this is a very spiritual answer, but I you're do. Allowed, you're allowed myself. to do that. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> I would say pray. I, I, I just got to believe the resources f- for the harvest are, they're there. They're there. And Jesus said, lift up your eyes, you know, look at the harvest. The fields are white for harvest. And then he says, and then ask the Lord of the harvest who you know, he is the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. So if the, the fields are white for harvest, ask the Lord for, for the people to go with you. I would say that, I mean, that's the most practical thing that I can do. But I'll, I also would say the Holy Spirit has, has the ability and is, you know, technically the most active member of your staff. So he is wanting to build and develop and call. And so the more I'm in alignment with, with what God is doing, I think specific prayers to God get specific answers. So God, I need wisdom to see God. You know, I need a, I need a worship leader, God. I need a, I know you're called, I need it. We need a, you know, we, we talked about this some with where we meet, but that specificity, write it down ask God. I think that that's, that's one place. Um, secondly, I would ask the question, if those people aren't there, what is it that's in me that God wants to grow so that there are more people that they want to they wanna follow my leadership? Like, what's that, what's that deficit? Now, every leader has people that don't like, that they don't like them. Every leader has people that, you know, don't think that leader's amazing. But the, the bigger narrative, like if there's not at least a dozen or so people that can I can point to to say I've influenced that person's life. What is what's the deficit there? What's the thing that's missing? And then just you know Luke sixteen, uh, Jesus's words about faithful and little, faithful with much, faithful with money, faithful with true riches, faithful with another's, faithful with your own. To really let Luke sixteen be a primary filter for what I'm looking for in people. And then I think that these, these five things to, to me, Mike life, the life, the journey of leadership over the decades, you know, is like climbing a mountain 
that the higher you climb at different altitudes, you're back to the same thing, just higher altitudes. And this subject of team leadership, working with a group of people, I would say hands down is the most, after your own personal relationship with God and doing things in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the most important aspect of leadership that I want to be a student and keep getting better at leading teams. I, I, I affirm that a thousand percent, like having your own mask on in the relationship with God and then being able to lead people, not just be awesome at the gifts that God has given you, but being able to lead God's people. That's why he's actually gifted you to, to, to help steward and shepherd the body and also throw a bloodlet on him. So I, this is why I think it's important to journey together with a group of people that are in the similar season or mindset. Um, that's even like the ascent leader kind of cohorts, the church planning cohorts we've talked about and been a part of. I think because not everyone is navigating these complexities on, a, on and the seasons that church planters are in. And it's a very unique, the most expensive thing you will do as a church plant is not buy equipment and does not pay for your salary. It is hire staff. And so make great decisions that way. And sometimes you need outside voices and other people telling you, you're not, you're not crazy or you are crazy for certain decisions that you're making at certain seasons. So uh, jump into a cohort, jump into an ascent leader cohort. There'll be uh, notes in the show below this that will help you do that. I can't highlight that enough. You need other people along this journey, even if they're not in your same city, but are cheering you on from different cities and different seasons. So, Anything you'd add to that, Andy, about a cohort or people? I, I would. I do think cohorts are such a great way to, you know, grow our wisdom. All the ones that we've been able to be a part of with the ascent with church planters. I think there's so much good that comes out. And to be honest, a lot of my relationships for ministry later came out of somehow those connections and being in different cohorts. Uh, I would say also, Mike, that the thing you know, that I, I love about you that is so evident that is why you've built such a great church and such a great team of people is that humility that you come at, you know, it attracts high level leaders. So that, that strength of character, that capacity coupled with the humility uh, is such a rare gift that, I mean, that's the level five stuff that Collins talks about. And I know sometimes you like, you downplay yourself, but Bro, I, I hear from so many people like, you know, across the scope of church leadership, like you you are one of the you're one of the best leaders, that level five kind of leader that's doing such a great job. And um, it's just a lot of fun to have these conversations. I think we could both unpack and talk so much more about all these things. And it's funny, like, you know, you and I have only known each other for a couple of years, but there's there's so many mutual influences that have really shaped our thinking that there's a lot of alignment ar around just a lot of these concepts but i think that they're they are the concepts that both of us have experienced fruitfulness from so i just i think for church planters to say okay i there's a lot there's a lot this episode that we just went through there is a lot of stuff in that that has so many trains that church planters could go on so thanks for navigating the convo and being you and being faithful in God's kingdom. Well, thanks, man. You're super kind. And I feel like we should probably just do a, a staffing a whole double click on a couple of these things. That would be a lot of fun for us. So 
All right, yeah. uh, church planners, we love you. We're for you. Anything we can do to help. If you love a church planner, if you know a church planner, if you support church planners, if you're organizing church planners, if you think someday you may want to be a church planner or you think maybe your spouse should, uh, like that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're just trying to give people an unfair advantage. So we love you guys. Much love. We'll catch you next time, Andy. Peace. Peace.